Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. Gators Breakdown, episode 166, is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter, at GatorDave underscore SCC. Joining me for this episode is Will Miles, and you can find him on Twitter, at WillMilesSEC, and his work at ReadAndReaction.com. Well, we, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about how we're getting closer and closer to football season. And, and I can definitely tell uh, the body may be a little worn down. Uh, appearances are starting to rack up. Uh, I was on a, a show Sunday, um, Bill King this morning on Tuesday, another show in Arkansas, uh, the podcast tonight with us, me and you, and then the Gator panel later this week. Uh, football season's right around the corner. Man, that's a nice humble brag there, Dave. <laughs> but uh, no, it's great that that everything's that is coming up in eleven days, and you know, can't wait for the games to start. And certainly uh, excited about Gators breakdown being represented on the uh, on the panel coming up this week. And uh, you know, excited to hear what you guys have to say and, and what everybody in that group has to say. Yeah, it should be a good time if I can kick this uh, allergy, sinus, cold, whatever it is. It's. Uh... I'll be sniffling uh, throughout the episode, but uh, kicking my butt right now. Hey, man, it wouldn't be the opening. It wouldn't be. It, we wouldn't be two weeks out from the season if you weren't sick, and if, <laughs> and if there wasn't bad news to report. So that seems to be the uh, <sighs> seems, to, seems to be the uh, the nature of things for us over the last couple of years. That's what we get for trying to plan an episode. You know, we always try and plan an episode, and then lo and behold, uh, linebacker David Reese uh, gets injured. So we'll 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 hit that, but. You know, we joked about it last week, a couple weeks ago. Will we just we we can't plan an episode because something's going to happen? Yeah, well, you know, the one time we actually try to wing it is probably the time when nothing would actually happen. So, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I know the people like listening to us, but I'm not sure they'd like to see us staring at each other. So, uh, so we got plenty to talk about tonight, and it's going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. And before we start talking about it, remember you can find all Gators Breakdown episodes on News4Jacks.com/slash Gators Breakdown. Find all the Gators Breakdown episodes as well as articles from the News 4 Jacks sports team. So that's news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. Hey there, you can catch up with all our opponent previews. Earlier this week, we released Missouri. Later this week, uh, we'll release uh, South Carolina, Florida State. We won't be doing Idaho one night. Really no use in uh, uh, previewing them. So South Carolina, FSU, as we wrap up our opponent previews, uh, as, as those dwindle down, so you can catch all those on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube if you want the video version. 
And using those services, please share, rate, and reviews the show. Let Gator Nation know what they're getting with Gators Breakdown. And don't forget, you can find us on social media, on Twitter and Facebook, at Gators Breakdown. Well, no way other, you know, no other way around it. Have to get to it. Have to talk about it. Uh, but the quarterback battle, the inconsistent quarterback battle, it seems. And after the uh, late Sunday scrimmage, uh, we know some videos were leaked out, uh, probably that weren't supposed to be. <laughs> and uh, some word has leaked out as well. And, you know, I've asked around, talked around. And uh, going back to the scrimmage on Sunday night, it looks like Kyle Trask maybe uh, outperformed Felipe Franks in that. Uh, Mullen says they all graded out as, as champions in the scrimmage, and we all know it going back to Urban Meyer's time what that, that champion grade means. Uh, it's not the life champions like Butch Jones, completely something separate. Uh, I look at it, Will, right now, asking around, and have been told those people think Felipe Franks is still going to be the starter. Um, a lot of people can't really – it's kind of funny. You can't really point to his reasons why maybe he should start over Kyle Trask for it, well, from what we've seen. I look at it right now as the quarterbacks are about the same. Franks is big risk, big reward, got the big arm, can make some big plays down the field, struggles intermediate, short routes. Trask, probably nothing more than a game manager. Uh, and you know, With all that said, the more I ask around, the more I still hear Felipe Franks will lead this team in a starter – come game one versus Charleston Southern. Uh, and Mullen says, you know, he's not naming a st- starting quarterback yet. He isn't interested in playing games this season, though, uh, in the opener where two guys get a quarter and a half or so and then decide on the starter going for the Kentucky game. So, quote, Mullen said, no, we'll have a starter for the first game when he was asked about it and then followed up, followed that up uh, with that this would be his guy. And, you know, unless all of a sudden they perform differently on game day than we expect someone to perform or something falls off the cliff that way. I like to have it. I like to have it that this is the starter, and we're going to go, and it's their job from that point forward. Over the next couple of days, Brian, talking about Brian Johnson, quarterbacks coach, Brian Johnson and I will really sit down and evaluate who's going to give us the best opportunity to win games. So, with all that said, no starters publicly been named. These coaches are going to get together. They're still waiting. It looks like, you know, they haven't made their minds up yet. Um, Maybe fans, I think most fans were hoping we would know by now that one would take the bull by the horns, but still with halfway through the week before game week, Florida still doesn't know who the starting quarterback is. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a sign that nobody is – is really going to be coming out to win the Heisman Trophy this year. I don't think any of us expected that, but you know, above average quarterback play from the from the quarterback this year. Maybe thinking that Mullen might really be able to impact one of these guys and have him turn the corner at least early on. That's probably not going to be the case. I do like his process in terms of once you name the starter, you're not going to yank him in and out of the game. You're not going to split first team reps unless when the lights come on, the quarterback struggles and. You know, then you got to make a change just to make sure that your team stays engaged and, and that they know that that if you don't perform when you're on the field on game day, that you're not going to get the opportunity, just like if you were a defensive end or a linebacker or a defensive back. So, um, I mean, it's it's not good news, I don't think, to not have any separation between these guys at this point. I, I don't know what the champion designation necessarily means within the scrimmage. Um, I, I don't know that it matters. I think that 
scrimmages are one you know pe people have been getting on me about burrow and his scrimmage at lsu which i've appreciated by the way everybody who's who's contacted me about that i think it's the same thing here is it's one scrimmage it's one data point you don't make too much of trash performing well in one or frank's performing well in another it's more a collective body of work and if the collective body of work of both guys is is roughly equivalent uh, i don't I don't anticipate, based on what we've seen over the last couple of years, that that is really going to be a step forward at the quarterback position, at least not a monumental step forward. Yeah, well, I, I, the more I was thinking about this, of course, preparing for the show and everything, you know, I asked myself this question, does does one quarterback over the other gain Florida win, an extra win or so? So, you know, if most fans are picking eight wins. Is it eight wins with Felipe Franks? And is it eight wins with Kyle Trask? Or is it seven with Felipe Franks? And eight with Kyle Trask? Or the other way around? And, you know, and, and I answered that, and I'll, I'll answer the question when, you know, that, I, that I asked, you know, just thinking in my head to prepare for this show is, no, I don't, I, I don't think. I think both quarterbacks, you know, if, if I'm picking eight and four, it's eight and four with Franks, it's eight and four with Trask. Or it's seven and five with Franks, it's seven and five with Trask. Um, one guy not being able to separate themselves may, you know, we talked last, we talked when we, after SEC media days of where we would pick the team. And I picked Florida second. And the reason I did that is because I thought they would finish eight and four. Well, you know, that was before camp started. And I really thought one of these guys, and it probably if, if it was going to be named around this time, that it would probably be Felipe Franks, given he was probably the guy that had the job to lose coming into fall camp and with still not being able to name one, then I'm not as confident in, in the quarterback position as, as I thought I would be at, at this time. So, you know, right now is it, is it seven wins with Felipe Franks and seven wins with Kyle Trask? You know, that's probably where I'm, I'm, I'm looking at right now, eight and four, you know, get, get, if one of them gets hot in the mid mid season, you know, tops nine and three, I don't, nine and three is hard to see right now with the lack of confidence I'm seeing in his quarterback position. Yeah, I, I don't, we just don't know. <laughs> and you're right to be sort of hesitant and scarred, I think, from some of the previous quarterback play that we've seen at Florida over the last few years. You know, I mean, I know you were a big Frank supporter coming into last year um, just because you hadn't seen it, but he was a high-level recruit, and that was sort of the year McElwain had to turn things around, and then everything sort of fell apart. And you just don't know what you're going to get from some of these guys. I mean, if Franks puts up the exact same performance he did last year, Florida's going to really struggle if Emory Jones isn't ready and doesn't have a substantial package to help aid the offense. That's going to be an issue. If Kyle Trask comes in as just a game manager, that might be an issue, especially as the injuries on defense mount. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, you get a few key injuries on defense and you can't stop people the way you'd like to. And now the quarterback becomes much more important. So... Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a whole, there's not a whole lot of sugarcoating here. They're going to have to rely on the running backs. They're going to have to rely on their offensive line. And, uh, you know, that's not typically how teams score a bunch of points. No, that's, that's what I was thinking. You know, this is going to lend itself again to, uh, play some better defense. Uh, and I think, you know, with the lack of a, of a star quarterback and the lack of a court playmaking quarterback, you know, there's going to be a lot of close games and, you know, so we'll see, you know, the decisions that Dan Mullen makes in those games to because there, there's going to be a lot of one-score games, I, I think. There, it, with the way Florida probably can run the ball 
and an improved defense, there's going to be games that come down late to the fourth quarter. And, you know, while these quarterbacks may not be putting up monster stats, can they make the play late in games? That, w- that will be the difference. And I think that, that that's probably one part where, you know, Mullen and, and offensive coaches are going to have to figure out what these guys do really well. It, it may not be a whole lot, but <laughs> you'll have to figure out what they do really well and do that over and over again. And late game situations, you put them in the positions to, 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 to make that difference. And, you know, hopefully these guys, you know, it, when, don't freeze when the lights come on. And I've heard that for, for both quarterbacks so far in, in camp right now. It's, you know, there's things you, the defense can throw at them where both of them are, are, are completely lost. So, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, they're still learning. It's still in this system. And, you know, they'll start whittling it down. And I do like, you know, Will, as you mentioned, that Mullen's going to pick his guy and that's going to be his guy moving forward. And it seems like when next week rolls around, they'll have their one guy who's taken all the first team reps with a starting offensive line, starting receivers, starting running back. And hopefully that helps speed this process up just a little bit. Yeah, well, I think it's instructive to go back and look at last year, too. I I know that Frank struggled, and certainly that's true, no matter what stat you want to look at. But he also got pulled out of an opener where, you know, he made a couple of mistakes and got yanked. And then he got yanked out of the game against Kentucky. Um, And then he had to come in against Missouri, and that was – or I'm sorry, against Vanderbilt. That was the best game he played where he wasn't really prepared to come in and wasn't looking over his shoulder because Del Rio got hurt. Game against Texas A&M, he played pretty well first couple drives, and then he threw an interception on a ill-advised throw into the end zone from from deep, um, and at that point, sort of went into a shell. And you wonder whether that shell was McIlwain and Nussmeier induced, or whether that was a confidence thing for Franks, or or a combination of both. But you know, if Mullen basically challenges these guys to be essentially relief pitchers, you know, forget when when you've blown the save, go back out there. Um, you know, forget when you've thrown the interception, go back out there and play and execute and do that sort of stuff. There can be a step up in the level of play, both just from experience, things are going to slow down. But also just from a confidence perspective, you know, being willing to let it rip. That was certainly something that you could see in the Texas A&M game was that the linebackers were running towards Frank's first read and it was spooking him out of throwing the ball. Um, You know, that probably won't happen this year. I think they'll run the quarterback a little bit more, which will make a big difference. It's one of the reasons I think if it's between Frank's and Trask that Frank's probably gets the nod because I do think that he's going to be a better runner. Um you know, especially in the designed runs. I don't know about about sacks and and poison the pocket, but he'll be the better runner. So, you know, if I had if I was betting at this point, you know, eleven days out, I'd say that Franks is probably going to be the starter, just based on what you said about the upside from the arm. But also, I do think he's a little bit more athletic when it comes to running the ball, and that fits within what Mullen wants to do a little bit more. Yeah, and I think a lot of it also comes to you know, there's just no separation from a guy who came in, he was highly touted versus a guy who didn't start in high school in a two-star recruit. But that doesn't really matter. You know, right now, at, at least right now, Frank doesn't have to be head and shoulders better. He just needs to be a little better. Or Kyle Trask needs to be a little better. And what it is, is they're pretty even right now. And I think given the experience, and as you said, given the big playability, something we still don't know throughout fall camp and we haven't heard a whole lot of it. It's just, you know, and we've said this, I think the last couple of weeks on the show is just how much these quarterbacks are running in these scrimmages, in these closed practices that, you know, that we don't get to see. And, you know, it's, uh, that's still going to be a, a big part of the offense, not a huge part of the offense, but are there, there are there those five plays in a game where 
those five plays are different because of the quarterback's legs. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you can look at some of the close games last year where if the quarterback had been able to convert a third and two or a third and one, maybe the game turns out differently. So, I mean, certainly those plays become important and they add up. I think just positive yardage in the running game from the quarterback is important. It doesn't necessarily have to be 150 yards rushing. It just has to be, you know, an average of four or five yards a rush. And then the defense has to be on the lookout for it because you can always convert a third and four with the quarterback's legs. You have to dedicate a linebacker to spy the guy. And now something opens in a run pass option or something like that. Um, you know, the comment you made about one of the quarterbacks just needing to be slightly better than the other. I mean, that's true to win the job. The question is, is that good enough to win games? <laughs> oh, no, no. Yeah, that's exactly what I meant. Yeah, I meant, I meant to win the job. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's really what, the, what it's going to come down to. I mean, the, the question we have to ask ourselves, I think, is that was the quarterback play last year representative of where these guys really were, or is that a case of there's going to be significant improvement just based on the changing of the coaches? And, and I think that's really where we're putting our hopes at this point is that the changing of the coaches and the changing of the offense is going to see a significant uptick in quarterback play, even to just average. Because last year, I mean, just about every stat you can find, Felipe Franks was towards the bottom of the SEC. He was really towards the bottom of the Power Five conferences when you look at that sort of stuff. Um, you know, we'll talk a little bit later about some metrics I've come up with. <laughs> he was the worst quarterback in the SEC, according to that metric. And so, you know, just to be middle of the pack in the SEC would be a significant step forward. The question is, is that going to be good enough based on the teams they have to play? Oh, all right. Can we just not talk about quarterbacks in a negative light? <laughs> hey, man, they come out and light it up against Charleston Southern. It'll all be uh, it'll yep. all be good times for a week at least. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on to uh, some uh, some 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 ma- some bad news. Uh, you know, and uh, David Reese, uh, starting linebacker, injured his ankle. Uh, the report first coming from uh, Swap 24-7, Thomas Goldcamp, seems to be a minor injury to where Reese is uh, more than likely questionable for the opener versus Charleston Southern. Uh, and the hope is he doesn't miss more than that after so the x-rays were found negative there. So you know, if you want to read more uh, about it, definitely head over to Swap 24-7 and read Thomas's article there. Uh, well, we discussed last week uh, the linebacker position with the emergence of James Houston and Ventrell Miller. Uh, and it looks like uh, we'll get to see those guys, you know, like Miller, Sean Joseph, Rashad Jackson, uh, and the true freshman David Reese, a bit more than we originally thought. You know, in this opener, they were probably going to play a lot anyway. I'm not sure, so sure how much that the starter David Reese uh, would have played in the, in this game anyway. Probably, hopefully, not much past the first quarter. Definitely after halftime, get these young guys some experience anyway. You know, I, I don't think this is a big deal as long as it doesn't linger on. I'd like to have Reese back. Uh, when Benny Snell uh, in Kentucky come to town, because uh, you know, Kentucky, given their quarterback problems and, and Benny Snell being uh, the returning running back that he is and, and the playmaking running back that he is, they're going to rely on that run game. So it would be nice to have your starting middle linebacker in there. But you may not really, really, you may not really need Reese until the trip to Tennessee. Yeah, but those high ankle sprains can be real lingering injuries and certainly can sap someone's ability to go side but side to side. Um, Reese is a really good player. Um, I don't think we want to discount that. Not only is he a really good player, but he's also a team leader. He was one of the guys who called out the defense after the Georgia game and after the Missouri game last year and you know really sort of stuck it to the guys who who maybe didn't want to be there or at least was was the face of the defense saying that what was being shown on the field wasn't good enough. So that, I mean, the leadership aspect of that is big, but he also had over 100 tackles last year 
Um, you know, he's one of the, he's one of the guys who's really going to have to um, really going to have to sort of ma- or he he's a key to making the defense go. He's an established player. Um, it's a big loss, especially if he's not there for the Tennessee game or if he's there in a diminished capacity. Um, like I said, these are the types of injuries that can linger throughout an entire year. If you cu- if you try to come back too early, um, you know, then then you re-aggravate it and then you, you know, it ends up being six games that it impacts or something like that. Um, and more than anything, it's not, this isn't the only injury on defense. So we certainly have, you know, Quincy Linton has the, uh, has the torn Achilles and he's out. There's been a lot of sort of nicks and dings in the defensive secondary, um, you know, that that's really sort of fended out there too. So um, this is all part of recruiting. This is all part of just making sure that you've got depth, and we're going to see whether the linebackers that Florida has can supply the depth that's necessary to make up for Reese and Lenton and some of the other guys who get dinged throughout the season. Because, you know, really, one of the reasons why the SEC is so different is just because of the physical nature of it every every single week and, and getting worn down and the injuries and just sort of the, the nicks and dings where the guy still plays but doesn't necessarily play at 100%. And, uh, you know, we'll see whether Florida can weather that on the defensive side of the ball. It's it, The injuries are starting to mount pretty quick early here. Yeah, that is a good, a good point, and uh, hopefully it slows down a, a little bit. Uh, on the injury front, uh, you know, Thankfully, the front half of the or not the front half, but the you know the first few games uh, can be managed with some injuries, and hopefully these guys because uh, it does seem to be besides Linton, things you know bumps bruises hopefully can come along uh, where those guys are back out there pretty fast. So hopefully when the Gators make their first uh, home game or away game to Tennessee, most of these guys back are back and ready to go. Well, to no surprise, Gators not ranked in the AP poll. Uh, five SEC teams are Alabama number one, Georgia number three, Auburn at number nine, Mississippi State at 18, and LSU at number 25. If you want to count the others receiving votes, South Carolina would have been 26, and the Florida Gators would be ranked 27th. So, Will, no surprise really that the Gators aren't ranked, even though some preseason magazines, you know, we went back and looked, uh, we, we did a big old preseason uh, magazine show and where we kind of dove into those magazines. You know, a lot of had, a lot of them had them around 17th or so. Uh, but, you know, if this is strictly a preseason ranking, then I have no issue with, with Florida not being ranked at all. Uh, many of the preseason mags are projections. Uh, so maybe that's the difference uh, in why you see, you know, some of these differences in the rankings. But, you know, I, I – I do see where seeing teams ranked in, in preseason magazines, but then not in the official polls, you know, I can see where there, there's some difference of opinion there, but it not making a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it's sort of worth going back and looking at the polls from last year and the year before and the year before that and seeing how many of those teams actually finished up in the top 25. If memory serves me correct, I went back and looked during, you know, maybe two, three months ago and it was about half the teams end up falling out. <laughs> and, and you've got sort of your your stalwarts through the top ten, and those guys usually move around a little bit. Every once in a while, there's a disappointment in there, but for the most part, you know that that one to ten range kind of stays there. The ten to twenty range kind of stays there, and then the twenty to twenty five sort of come in and out. And every once in a while, you have a team drop off or a team pop in. But um, you know, like I said, about half of these teams aren't going to be there at the end, and so the preseason poll doesn't really matter all that much. I do think it's a little bit reflective of sort of that there's not. Like the excitement that Mullen has brought to the program and to the team hasn't necessarily just because there hasn't been 
real positive news about the quarterbacks. There hasn't been real positive news around the program, to be honest, with some of the some of the things with Justin Watkins and the guys with the BB guns and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, there's nothing where you go, oh yeah, everything's on the right track. They're going to be top ten. Um, I just you know. There's no reason to think that right now, and I can understand why people would have them anywhere between 15th to 25th or 15th to 30th, really. Um, we'll see when the games start, and, and good thing this doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and I think a lot of the angst also comes to, you know, they see LSU ranked at 25 and uh, FSU ranked, you know, a team that also fell on their face a little bit last year. Uh, it was just uh, – and then um, you know, South Carolina being ranked uh, one spot ahead – you know, splitting hairs uh, at, at that point, but I think that's where a lot of it comes from uh, as well when seeing what some fans see uh, as other teams that in their eyes don't see to don't deserve uh, to be ranked. Sure, but I mean FSU and LSU have more talent based on recruiting over the last four years. I think LSU's like ranked seventh and Florida State's even higher than that, maybe four and a half or five over the last four years. Um, you know, they just – they have higher recruiting rankings. They have, if you look at the starting starting twenty two, they're they're higher ranked players who are out there. Doesn't mean they've performed, but you look at James Blackman; he performed better than Felipe Franks last year. They've got DeAndre Francois coming back. Everybody knows I really like Joe Burrow going to LSU. Their defense was really lights out last year, and we'll see whether they can replace some of the guys who have gone on to the NFL and some of the guys who've been arrested recently for some. Uh, for some nefarious stuff that's going on there in Baton Rouge. Um, you know, but again, you look at it and say, typically the SEC has some really good teams and, and LSU is getting rewarded for that as well as sort of their talent profile based on recruiting. Florida has talent profiles around 15th and obviously the quarterback and the offensive line are sort of the linchpins for teams being successful. And those are the places where Florida has the biggest question marks. All right, so I found an interesting stat by Brett McMurphy uh, that was he tweeted out yesterday with this poll. So since 2004, only two national champions started the season ranked outside of the top seven. So that's Auburn in 2010. They were ranked number 22. In 2013, FSU, who was ranked number 11. So this year's top seven. So since 2004, so we're going on 14 seasons now. This year's top seven, so these are the teams probably more than likely that will win the national championship. Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Washington, Oklahoma. Yeah, well, that Auburn team had 2010. Was that Cam Newton? That was. So, you know, they've got Cam Newton coming in there as a transfer. Everybody knew he was a good player. I don't think anybody expected him to put up, you know, (laughs) 2,500 yards passing and 1,800 yards rushing or whatever he wound up putting up that year. Uh, But certainly carried Auburn to that that national championship in many ways. And so I I can understand why people wouldn't have seen that coming. But, again, if you look at – that's a historic outlier to see what their offense did. The offense was ranked below 90. the year before and all of a sudden was a top five offense and it coincided with a change in coach and it coincided with a, uh, with a change in quarterback and sort of a change in, uh, in philosophy. And, and that's usually what you end up, what you end up getting when you're, uh, you know, when you're trying to figure out w- when an offense is going to really take a step forward, it usually involves a change in offensive coordinator or a change in quarterback. And at Florida, you do have the change in offensive coordinator. So maybe that'll make a difference. Um, and we'll, and we'll see whether the change, whether keeping the same quarterback or making a change of quarterback is going to make the offense go. But, uh, you know, it, 
yeah, those top 10 teams, there's a reason they're ranked up there. A lot of that is tied to their recruiting. A lot of that is tied to the coaches that they have. And, you know, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, um, Urban Meyer, those types of guys are always in that top 10. And so it's a pretty easy, uh, pretty easy sell to put them there. All right. Well, so I did pose that question to our listeners out there of, you know, should Florida, um, uh, have been ranked uh, in the AP poll or what their or what their thoughts were of Florida not being ranked uh, in the AP poll. So Gator Ace uh, responded with, we will be in the top 10 about two thirds of the way through the season. Uh, Preston Fuller, uh, how was FSU ranked when they were trash last year and got a new coach? Uh, Slim Gator at uh, South Life Gold. Honestly, I don't care after last season. I don't expect to be ranked. I also know that's not how we will end the season. But that's my prediction and hope anyway. Love the show. Keep it up. Uh, Gators owned. Uh, Dare to Blair. Solid teams in the top 25. No problem with poll. Gators have to go out and earn a spot. Uh, Ryan Serdula shouldn't be ranked. We were 4-7 and seven last year. Winning will take care of the rankings. The Gator good. Says you got to earn it. Heavy metal Gator because I think it's great. Everyone's overlooking the Gators. And anyone that has been following the Gators know there is a lot of talent on this team. Let's not forget we have one of the best coaches in college football. Should be a great year. Relentless. And uh, ATX Gator. Preseason polls are meaningless. That said, the Gators should not be ranked. Not to show that they are better than last year. No reason to believe it until it is seen. Well, a lot of the, the same theme there. A lot of Gator fans saying they have no problem with it and the team's got to earn it. Yeah, well, and that's the way you want it. I mean, the 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 games or the seasons that are the most fun, at least for me, are the ones where you sort of come out of nowhere and people don't expect it. And you can say, see, I told you so, and, and that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, certainly looking forward to the season and hopefully Dan Mullen can can prove that all of the faith that people have put in, in him is is – is well-placed and, and we'll see. But I mean, you know, I, I think I agree with them. You went four and seven last year. Your quarterback is probably going to be the same guy. Um, and it's going to be all on the coach. And is the coach good enough to get you to eight and four, which probably puts you in that, what, 16 to 20 range, or do you end up seven and five, which probably puts you down in that, you know, 20 to 28 range, depending upon how the bowl game goes to p- determines whether you end up at the poll or not at the end of the year. And I think that's a reasonable expectation for what might happen at Florida this year. Certainly if Mullen proves to be better than, than the experts think, then maybe you go nine and three. And if he turns out to be, you know, maybe he has some struggles or maybe the team has some struggles making some adjustments to his system in the first year, doesn't really have the right guys to run his system. You know, you end up a little bit lower. So that's sort of where people are hedging. And I think it makes sense. All right, just a few more here at uh, Check the Logo, low-key 850. Figured we'd be sitting just outside the top 25, which we are at 27. But that's what happens when you go 4-7. and seven. Respect is earned, not given. We have a lot of work to do. Uh, get a girl, uh, 888. I don't put much stock in preseason rankings, and I don't mind that the Gators are starting under the radar. We'll play our way in. And last one, Joshua Cooper. I think it's fair. They haven't proven to be ranked in recent years and still face the same challenges as years past. I give them eight wins with favorable schedule and a bright future under Mullen quarterback will be the sore spot. So, yeah, well, I mean, pretty much fans in agreement uh, with how that goes as far as the Gators not being ranked in the initial 2018 AP poll. So, Will, something I wanted to, to, to look at since we were doing these opponent previews and we'll be wrapping those up uh, pretty soon. Hey, man, we're fitting a lot into this show. We're, we're, <laughs> moving, we're moving right along. Uh, 
<laughs> Only so many times you can talk about the quarterback. That's right. That's right. You have to spend 30 minutes on it this time. <laughs> we'll come back to it. Oh, of course. Uh, but yeah, doing these uh, opponent previews, and I kind of want to, uh, wanted to bring this up and, and talk about Will and get, and get your opinion too, is the key stretch of the, uh, of the season there. And I, I think there are two stretches of the 2018 schedule where you know, they're pretty key uh, in what Florida can do this season. And I think most fans uh, can pick that out as well. At Tennessee, at Mississippi State, and LSU. That's one stretch there where I think you know, that, that, that can define 2018. And also a case can be made for Georgia, Missouri, and South Carolina. That's two two stretches there of three games apiece that can make or break for a season. Yeah, that's interesting. I I, I would choose something different actually. So okay, I would choose, there we go. I would choose Missouri, South Carolina, and at Florida State. So okay, so you're not throwing out of in there, of course. But I mean, I don't think this will happen. But I think Florida could start, you know, one and four, and it wouldn't really matter if they finished the year. Three and zero. I mean, really, it's almost a momentum type of build towards the end, especially if you've identified your quarterback and if he's playing really well. And Missouri and South Carolina are both home games, and then you got Florida State, who's a road game to go to Doak Campbell and win against your biggest, most hated rival. You know, Mullen and Mullen and Taggart are going to have some recruiting battles that come down to the last second here, probably. Um, you know, and that's that's your main rival. That's the guy you got to beat at least for the most part. You know, for the next four or five years, if you're going to be successful, and 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 that's your chance to do it. I think Georgia is probably. I mean, if Florida wins, obviously it's a huge feather in their cap, but I don't think we can plan on that this year. Um, and I think the at Tennessee, at Mississippi State, and LSU stretch. You know, two of those games are on the road. It's it's hard to not. I mean, it can be key, but and obviously, if they win the games on the road, it probably means they set themselves up for a really good year. But I think one of the things that you, I really want to see is Florida defend the swamp. And so, Missouri and South Carolina are teams that Florida is going to have to dominate in the East in order to get back to the elite status that we want to see them at. And then they're going to have to beat Florida State both at home and at Doak Campbell. And so, this is the opportunity to sort of put a stake in the ground the first time you go to you go to Tallahassee in the Dan Mullen era. To me, those are the three most important things. Probably if you win those three, you're definitely going to a bowl game, maybe even going to a really good bowl game. And so, you know, building on momentum, potentially that's a space where maybe you have Emory Jones in there at quarterback, especially if the team struggles early. You know, you, you either after the bye week with, uh, with Vanderbilt and then you come in to play Georgia and you've got somebody like Emory Jones in to play the last four games because you can play him without burning his red shirt. Um, you know, I don't know exactly what they're going to do, but to me that's – that's the key stretch is Missouri, South Carolina, and Florida State. Yeah, okay. I can I can see that there. Definitely if that FSU game at the end of the season looms large. So yeah, that that could set the tone for next year. Uh, definitely. Yeah, the reason i I chose those other two uh, for that for those stretches there at Tennessee, at Mississippi State, LSU. You know, more than likely those are the, the tone setters for the season and, and going through midway through the season. Uh, you can't go to Rocky Top and lose to Jeremy Pruitt in, in year one, so you have to go and win that game. Uh, Mullins returned to Starkville right after that, so two emotional back-to-back road games. You know, how, how 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 does Mullins get the team up for that? You know, can, can they do that? Is you know, I, I don't I don't think there'll be much of a problem getting up for two games in a row. Uh, you know, I go always go back to 2012 and when and when Florida had to go to A and M and then the very next week go to Knoxville and came out winning both of those games. You know, so you know, it, 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 when people don't think you can do it, 
you know, that, that you can rally the team around that. So there'll be hype around going to Tennessee and, and just because of the rivalry game. There'll be hype around going to Starkville and getting Dan Mullen a win against his former team. But then you got to come back to the swap. We know 2008 National Championship team will have the reunion. It's the big rivalry game versus LSU. You know, those, those three games right there, two and one, somehow go three and oh. You know, then you're looking at a at a really really good Florida team. You know, one and two. If you know the one wins at Tennessee and you come, you know, go to Starkville and lose, and then LSU comes into the swap and beats you. Yeah, uh, you know, you you can pick up the pieces and still make something out of the season after that. So, you know, that I, I think as far as setting the 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 tone for the season, that's the stretch there I look for. But say Florida is got something rolling. Say one one. One loss going into the Georgia game, and you got the, the the stretch of Georgia, Missouri, South Carolina. Then, you know, I mean, I don't want to get way well ahead of ourselves, but then you still have pretty much everything to play for. You have the East head to head going up against Georgia. Then you got two more East opponents after that at home, Missouri and South Carolina. You know, you find a way to beat Georgia, and then you still have every that's a oh, that's going to be a big win, more than likely against a highly ranked team. You have everything in front of you to play for. You can't turn around and, and get hung up and 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 disappoint at home against Missouri and Will Muschamp coming back to the swamp. You know the 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 history there uh, of him in Florida and what he'll be bringing to the swamp. So that that. I, I go more with that first trend or that first stretch of the season with Tennessee, Mississippi State, LSU. But according to what happens there, a case can be made a bigger, more to play for with Georgia, Missouri, and South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with your expectations for this season. I, I think one of the, you know, we want to see progress. And last year, that was really the word of the year was progress because there hadn't been any <laughs> under McElwain and Nussmeyer. And I think this year, progress is important, but also just seeing the quarterbacks improve over time. And so if the offense is hitting on all cylinders by the time you get to Georgia, Missouri, South Carolina, and Florida State, I'm not real concerned about what happened in that first half of the season. I'm I'm not expecting Florida to win the SEC this year. If they do, oh my goodness, I'm going to sing Mullen's praises for an extended period of time because I think it's a pretty big undertaking. Um I just don't know that that's a reasonable expectation. I, I think we're going to have to show some patience with the offense. I think we're probably going to have to show some patience with the defense too. I mean, it's brand new systems, guys who struggled last year on both sides of the ball. And, you know, it is a reasonable expectation for them to be inconsistent <laughs> in both sides, probably. And with that inconsistency may, can, may come some losses that we don't expect, but may also come some wins that we don't expect. And so to me, it's really, by the time you get to that Missouri, South Carolina, Florida State stretch, are you being consistent? Do you know who you are at that point? Or are you still juggling quarterbacks? Or are you preparing for 2019? Um, I think we'll know the answer at that point, or at least we'll get the answer from those three games. I don't know that we'll know the answer or get that answer from that stretch that you talked about early on. Though, obviously, I mean, if they come in and just whip Tennessee and Mississippi State, things are going to get kind of crazy around Gainesville for that LSU game. And believe me, I want that to happen. Um, I just think that Really, if you're looking at building a program long term, you got to retake being able to win in Gainesville consistently and decisively, and you have to beat Florida State. You know, you can. I, I think you can probably weather a loss to Tennessee every once in a while, especially because they, we've beaten them what, like twelve of the last thirteen years or something like that. So you can weather a loss there. But the Florida State thing, I mean, it's been a long time yeah. since Florida's beaten Florida State. I think what 2012, and so. 
you got to start winning that game. I think it's important. And I think that, uh, you know, to me, it's still the 2018 season is really a springboard to the 2019 season. And, you know, I don't want to say, oh, I'm throwing in the towel on this season because I'm not, but I am saying that we'll know where we are by the time we get to that stretch and we'll sort of know what the team's made of. And, and that's, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see where they are at that point. All right. Good stuff there. Good stuff. Uh, more good stuff, Will, at your site, readreaction.com. Uh, and you released an article today so people can uh, go uh, get there and read it and, and talk about the, the importance of quarterback play and winning. And that's using your, the metric you created, uh, yards above replacement there. And you've been doing a lot of work with that, a lot of research uh, with that stat, you know, just kind of more you know, solidifying what that stat means and just how important it is. But before we get into that, you know, refresh our listeners on how that metric works. Yeah, so it comes from the idea that not all quarterbacks bring value the same way. So a guy who, <clears throat> a guy like Baker Mayfield who throws for over 11 yards an attempt is different than a guy like Lamar Jackson who maybe runs for six or seven yards an attempt when he rushes. And considering that quarterbacks only average about three yards or 3.1 yards per rush and they average 7.4 yards per pass, well, the question is, if a guy passes for nine yards an attempt or a guy runs for five yards an attempt, is that equally valuable? And it turns out that when you start looking at it, that it really kind of is. And so if you look at Mississippi State's offenses last year, Nick Fitzgerald graded out on a yards per attempt basis and, and really sort of a completion percentage and even an efficiency standpoint, graded out about the same as Felipe Franks through the air. The difference is, is Nick Fitzgerald ran for like 980 yards and averaged over six yards in attempt. And so he brought more value to Mississippi State than Felipe Franks brought to Florida. And that's one of the things I think we need to look at this year is if Franks, he doesn't have to be Nick Fitzgerald. He doesn't have to run for a thousand yards, but if he can run for 300 yards and he can average four or five yards a clip, that brings a lot of value to the Florida offense that wasn't there last year and really sort of dick. And, and so you can start comparing Nick Fitzgerald to Felipe Franks or Nick Fitzgerald to Jake Fromm and say, who's the better quarterback? Who's bringing more value based on, uh, based on both their legs and their arm. All right. So you mentioned Felipe Franks and, you know, but, but how does this metric relate to the four and seven record Florida had last year? And if Mullen can make an average quarterback out of Franks or Trask, whoever it is, and the defense can get back to form. You know, what does yards above replacement tell us that is most likely for the Gators in 2018? Well, so if you add up, so what you can do is you can take the um, offensive yards above replacement. So essentially what Felipe Franks provided, and then you can look at what the defense gave up. And if you subtract those from each other, um, it gives you a number that correlates really, really well with win percentage. So you can kind of predict where a team should be based on what their delta yards above replacement is between the offense and the defense. And the problem at Florida last year wasn't just Felipe Franks. It was that the offense and the defense were bad when it came to yards above replacement. So the offense for Florida had an Offensive yards above replacement of negative 14. And for reference, Georgia was at 24.8. Missouri was at 22.8. South Carolina was at negative 8.7. So they weren't great, but they were better than Florida. So Florida finished next to last on offense. And then they had a defensive yards above replacement of 6.5. And so they gave up 6.5 more yards over the course of the year than, um, you know, per game than the, uh, than the opposition. And so, they were they were the worst team in the SEC last year based on this metric. Just barely, they were a little bit ahead of uh, a little bit of, or a little bit behind Arkansas. They're really bad, 
and their four and seven record was was justified, not just because the offense struggled so much, but because the defense did as well. The defense gave up eight yards per pass <laughs> last year, and and that's just not good at all. And the year before, they'd given up, I think, like five and a half. And so they're going to have to get back to that on defense. So when you look at what that what that means for Florida, it means that they have the ability to get better on offense and the ability to get better on defense. And that's where the improvement's going to come from. You can't just average this year. Florida all of a sudden is going to be great. The defense just has to play like they did last year. That's not true. The defense is going to have to play considerably better than it did last year for Florida to get a ton better. All right. If you want to see this in article form, uh, and all the numbers there will you chart it out there everything there as well so it might be easier for the uh the, the audience to see there but all right readreaction.com you can get it there and we'll have you edit the article i really like there too because speaking to this this metric that you that you, you know, that you came up with and researched and how it speaks to it Mullen did pretty well at mississippi state when looking at this stat and how close it relates to the actual result he did okay, I suppose. So if you look over the last five years, I only went back to 2013. I'm still working on getting back to 2009. But if you go back to 2013, based on his yards above replacement, the delta between his offense and his defense, you would expect that they would have won 40.9 games and Mississippi State went 40 and 24. So he, his teams play, his teams won exactly the number of games that they should have based on the quarterback play. And if you look over those five years, the quarterback play was really very good. The difference in the records between the uh, <laughs> between the uh, um, between the teams was almost solely based on defense. You sort of see this last year. So last year's team gave up just was horrendous <laughs> in the game against Georgia and against Auburn. Had really really bad um, defensive yards above replacement, up over eight, which is really bad. Um, and if you take those out, or you make them just you know, if you just said, hey, if they just played average in those games, um, the deep Mississippi State's defense would have been really good last year. Um, turns out they actually graded worse than average because of those two games. So, again, I think this sort of goes back to some of the things we've been saying all year long, where it, or all offseason long, which is that Mississippi State really struggled against teams that had better talent than they did. Um, I would expect to see some similar things at Florida, but I would also expect for Mullen to deliver in games where his team has superior talent because that's what he's been able to do at Mississippi State. All right, so we can read that article at readandreaction.com. Really does a good job of looking at what Felipe Franks did last year and you know what uh, if he can improve to be an average quarterback, uh, what that would mean uh, for the Gators. So readandreaction.com to read Will's latest there. Uh, Will, anything else coming up you got, you're working on for the site? Yeah, I'm going to have an SEC East preview coming up. Certainly the season's starting to gear up, so I'll probably be writing about twice a week uh, once that starts. And uh, I'm excited to get going. I'm excited to start predicting what's going to happen, have people call me a moron, and then get uh, <laughs> and then get people coming at me on Twitter when I'm wrong. It's always fun. But uh, we're going to have previews all throughout the year, um, film studies after the games have have, have been completed, and uh, probably some a little bit more personal stuff. I'm going to the Tennessee game with my brother. Um, it looks like we're going to be taking a car ride from Philly all the way to Knoxville. So, uh, so it should be a good time. I'll be sitting in the passenger side, hopefully, while he's driving right in, right in the recap. So, and hopefully, <laughs> it's a recap of a Florida win, man. Absolutely, absolutely. So, it's readreaction.com where you can find Will's articles uh, there. You can find him on Twitter at Will Miles. SEC. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>